Welcome back to The Underdogs, a podcast dedicated to covering the twists, turns, laughs, and tears of the Emmy award-winning Apple TV series Ted Lasso. In every episode, we do a brief overview followed by a three-word episode review. We analyze what happened on the pitch, what happened off the pitch, give you the main theme of the episode. We get a little bit of trivia in there for you, our pub trivia, and then we also give you the greatest recognition, claim, prize, honor of all, the winner, winner football dinner, letting you know who won the episode, because it is a game. You know, football's yeah. a game, soccer's a game, Lasso is, in fact, a game as well. Easy enough, that's what we got going on. So today we're covering Season 1, Episode 9, All Apologies. After an upbeat episode that ended with Rebecca's plans crumbling before her eyes in Episode 8, Episode 9's title is pretty self-explanatory. There are a lot of mea culpas in this one. A, a quick request so you don't have to apologize to us. Uh, engage with us on social, at Pod Underdogs, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, whatever your uh, vehicle of choice is. Uh, we'd appreciate the conversation and uh, look forward to Season 3. All right. Well, uh, unlike Rebecca, let us make no apologies whatsoever for a three-word episode review. We're going to dive in right there. Nick, what did you have? The high road. Uh, there's a lot of of really good adult behavior in this episode, and uh, I think it's a really fascinating study in how different people react to bad news. Oh yeah, that is that is very true. Um, what about you, Dan? I did a little bit of a throwback to an earlier uh, moment in the show, but Rebecca, let's go because there's a lot of truth opening that happens and. Uh, mm. You know, who doesn't enjoy a good frozen pun? <laughs> uh, I put can't handle truth. I just, you know, had to had to collapse the you can't handle the truth. Uh, you know, I just got to make it work within the parameters. But I think you all get it. Can't handle truth delivered with uh, an, an emphasis there. So as always, we kick it off with on the pitch, a.k.a. the football stuff. So we open episode nine with Roy Kent's our brunette Oscar the Grouch taking an ice bath in what looks to be literally a large trash can or rubbish bin for those of our friends across the pond. Uh, he feels like the container he is in, like trash. The Sky Sports replay on TV chastising his recent form as he costs the team points in their recent matches, meaning that they're heading toward a relegation showdown. But enter Ted Lasso to try to lift his spirits as he's very aware that uh, Roy Kent is in a bit of the pits, Nick, and uh, we get a nice little, uh, you know, back and forth between the pair. Yeah, this is, uh, again, Ted being the man manager that he is, you know, no one's going to feel worse than Roy right now. <laughs> so, you know, berating him, you know, is, is not going to really do a job. Ted knows that. Roy says, can you just tell me I fucked up and then go? <laughs> he clearly wants to be alone. He's like, not going to do that, bud. Uh, and then he says, I lost this the game. I'm a piece of shit. Ted says, easy now. You had a big day or a bad day. Big whoop. Roy says, big whoop. Uh, yeah, big whoop. Uh, you beating yourself up is like Woody Allen, Woody Allen playing the clarinet. I don't want to hear it. Um, and, you know, look. He, he ends this stand by saying, hey, I got your back. Ain't nothing going to change that, right? Uh, it's it's one of those moments where in, in the heat of the battle, I think Ted is looking for ways to comfort and console, not to uh, kind of light a fire. Yeah, and this is the evolution of the relationship between Ted and Roy, where Ted clearly understands that has gotten into – tapped into what makes Roy tick. He understands how to get him to 
do the little things to make the tiniest little ripples that have the long-standing impact to what Roy does or doesn't do. And this is just another example of trying to give him enough to reconsider, to think about it, to reflect upon it before uh, kind of what happens next. All right, so moving past uh, the Roy issues, uh, the pre-match press conference, this again, before every single match, the manager has to go in front of the press and talk about what's going to happen in the game. It's a bit brutal, but, you know, they do the job. Ted Fields questions about City and good old Trent Krim of the Independent. Asked Ted specifically about Roy's dismal form. Uh, Coach Beard and Nate are in attendance, and uh, they also look pretty concerned. They're they're definitely, I think we've talked about this dynamic, Dan, right? It's it's Ted, big picture guy, and then it was Beard was the details, but now Nate has really been involved a lot. We saw him give uh, multiple times throughout this season uh, tactical or player personnel details to the coaching staff, and it looks like he's clearly kind of finding a rhythm there. Well, you see the comment of Trent asking in, in specific, like many young players have actually improved during your tenure, which, which would be, a, you know, just independently that's actually the sign of really good coach or really good coaching to have young players improving their performances and then Trent continues then there's Roy Kent he played dismally last match your thoughts Ted asked the question well he could ask Roy himself he'd tell you he wasn't it wasn't his best day but I'll let you know right now Roy Kent is the backbone of this team not it would also not be the first time that a aging player in the Premier League is being called out for having a run of form is not typically a young man's game, but also we're saying young. Young is super relative when it comes to professional sports because there's also, you know, the, the amount of individuals in their uh, late 30, mid to late 30s who are playing midfield is a very small majority. I mean, I think, I think Nick, the context we would provide to people who are not football aficionados or soccer aficionados is that, you know, the peak age, when you start to peak, people kind of talk about it's like in the 26, 27 range. And typically the plateauing begins then. And then the slide down is somewhere in the beginning of that that 30s, um, you know, time frame. And we say this all as individuals who are on the, the back end of that slope. Yeah, I, that was what I was going to say is like we're recording this. And I think that we are all either at the same age that Roy is at in the show or even older than he is uh, from that from that time. So yeah, it's, it's a, it's a quick career, man. I, like you, you get, if you're lucky, you get 15 years, it, it, you know, and that's with, without serious injuries, that's without being out of form a lot. I mean, you know, Brandon, the, you, you played competitively. Like it's a, it's a hard, it's a hard road to, to carve for yourself. Well, I mean, the hardest thing about it is that there's always a hundred or a thousand new younger athletes coming through every single season so the field of opportunity is big uh you know but he's built his career off being consistent and doing a good job and he's definitely having to kind of come to to terms with that you know he's gonna do yoga where younger players aren't because they don't have to right he's sore you know his muscles tighten up more he's in the ice bath he just has to do more body maintenance stuff um to get back to kind of his peak week in week out uh, but again, you know, the journalists, they're going to ask these questions like this is, again, like soccer, not soccer 101, like spot on. Um, and, and Ted had to uh, to battle it. Um, so, you know, after this, you know, we've seen Ted talk to Roy. Uh, then we've seen the reporters ask the questions with Beard and Nate. Naturally, the next thing up is Beard and Nate calling an intervention with Ted. And they said it that way. They sat him down. Right. And they're like, hey, we need to talk. And um you know, again, like 
I don't know how these guys could ever have a serious conversation with Ted. Like, he won't allow it. He sits down and immediately is, like, throwing out different ideas and things like that. I'm just like, these guys are trying to, like, help the team. And Ted is just, like, too out there in left field. I can't I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Beard, Beard leads off this intervention with, we have to take Roy out of the starting lineup. Um, it wasn't just one bad game, Coach, right? So signifying that this is a longer tail results-driven conversation nate chimes in with he's showing his age and he's made significant mistakes in east one of the last five matches that kind of gets you to the point where you you understand what's going on uh we just haven't been bitten in the ass by them yet beard but yesterday our butts had teeth marks deep ones the kind you usually have to pay for uh ted kind of follows this whole conversation up with i'm not benching roy he's our captain but i want you to know that i value each of your opinions even when they're wrong uh again Dan, he didn't really take this conversation very seriously, but, uh, you know, I think this is, you know, certainly a turning point for how he engages with these guys, you know, from a, from a tactical perspective. Hard to take it serious when uh, he leads it off with, are you guys about to do improv or are you dating? Because either way, I'm okay with it. <laughs> like, yeah. what are we doing? It was good to see that Ted was making the decision, though, because we've seen him a lot through this series being a power of others to get things done, to make the decisions and do things. And there actually hasn't been a lot of times where he's made the decision about some of the actual footballing things. Like, yes, we, we've seen him pull Jamie Tart out of the lineup. We've seen, we, you know, we're seeing him now saying Roy's going to stay in the lineup, but a lot of the, these types of decisions have not always been his. And so I think, I think Nick, this is just another example too, of where you're seeing, where Ted's strength is is in that kind of player personnel, player management, kind of coaching. Like he he will stamp his authority on the lineup and on the overall decisions if he feels like he has enough in the bank to make that make that call. Yeah, and he values his relationship with Roy clearly. I mean, I think that's the main driver of this decision, right? He sees a guy who is struggling, and he wants to help him out, and he thinks the only way to help him out is by to you know keeping to play uh him in in the midfield and uh the coaching staff disagree <laughs> so you know it's it's a tough situation for for a team to be in hmm. yeah uh again ted saying no I have not heard this character say much of that this season uh as dan had said so uh moving to training ted has the team run the beep test to work on their stamina roy fails miserably Nate and Beard give Ted the silent treatment, continuing to keep a minimum of three feet buffer away from him at all times uh, as you get the the shuffle dance that they do. Um, and again, they're just they're steadfast in their ways. They are not going to let Ted try to change their mind about Roy. Um, and I think he finally kind of comes around to it at the end to the point, Nick, where um, we don't see them talk again as a staff, but we do see Ted. Uh, arrange a meeting in the stands at uh, at the facility with Roy. Yeah, and, and it's a it's a tough conversation, right? I mean he he now has multiple data points to look at. You know, he has the coaches' opinions. He has the uh, you know the the training performances. He has the stats, and I think you know after uh, the silent treatment, essentially. Uh, makes the call to to let Roy know um, that he's not going to be starting, uh, but he does it in a really beat around the bush, 
try and you know make it nice kind of way. Roy freaks out, accuses him of being full of shit and not having his back, uh, even though that's what Ted said he would do earlier in the episode. So, you know, it's it's a tough thing. There's never going to be a good way to uh, to give that news to somebody that they're not playing the most important game of the season after their storied career. Uh, but it's the right thing for the team. And so they have to move on. Uh, and, and Roy really struggles with this because, you know, Dan, he goes over to Keeley's almost immediately after this to try and figure out what the hell is going on. Right. But he doesn't even know how to communicate his feelings until she makes fun of him a lot, <laughs> you know? And, and I think it's just one of the best parts of their relationship is that she just calls him out on all of his bullshit all the time. And, uh, uses Phoebe as the proxy to uh, to share that he is more worthy than than he's giving himself credit for. Yeah, this is another moment where Keely is exposed as having the best EQ of anyone on the show. Like Ted is is clearly second uh, by a mile when you see this played out. Where Keely asks, "Okay, can you describe your Uncle Roy? Everything you can think of." Phoebe goes. Well, he's my uncle. His beard is scratchy. He buys me ice cream. He swears a lot. He's really funny, and I love him. And Keely then follows up with the well-done Phoebe. See, I didn't hear anything about being a footballer. And then Roy responds <laughs> in typical Roy fashion. Who gives a shit what she has to say? She's six. <laughs> but, you know, and, and she she does follow this up with, like, the only thing that matters is what you think about you, not what anyone else thinks about you, right? Brilliant. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I, she just rips it off, and it's hard. Like, look, as an athlete, especially a professional athlete, and we've seen this so many times across all sports around the world, all of your identity is tied up into being a professional athlete. And when that time comes, your mortality hits you. So many athletes are lost for a year. You know, you're used to being told when to show up for training, what to wear, what to eat, you know, what your workout plans are. And all of a sudden, when no one's there, they don't know who they are because that's all they've done since they were probably five, six, seven, eight years old, you know? And so to undo 30 years of that is hard. And Roy, I think it kind of seems like for the first time is having to deal with, hey, who are you? What is next? Is anything next? Where are you at? And it hit him like a truck, but might surprise you. We're not done talking about Roy. Uh, we see Ted walking into the Crown and Anchor, uh, where Beard is waiting for him with a series of beers to soothe the tough conversation that he assumed Ted was going to have with Roy. Uh, unfortunately, it didn't happen. And Beard is disappointed in Ted, leaves him with the pints, sees his ex, Jane, playing chess with another date. He's a bit on edge. They go back and forth about the merits, and he just snaps. He yells at him, hey, it's about winning. They're professionals. And and I think, Dan, just this, this monologue, again, is it opens the door into Beard being the human and, and really committed to the small side of the game or, you know, that, he, that they're in charge of, that they're responsible for. Yeah, you have Beard going, look, I understood the mission when we were in Kansas, but those were kids, and these are professionals, and winning does matter to them, and it matters to me. And that's okay. Ain't that right, May? Calls the bartender into yeah. it as well. May with the A fucking men it is. Because again, this is a community. These teams have been around 
longer than most of the colleges or college programs that Ted and Beard were involved in in the U.S. And then Beard follows up his left shot with a, a right body punch. With the how do you not get it? Losing has repercussions. We lose, we get relegated. We get relegated and this is over and we will have built nothing. And if you want to pick a player's feelings over a coach's duty to make a point, I don't want to drink with someone that selfish. Yeah, I mean, this is this is where Beard is so valuable in this show. He is the only character who can call Ted out on his bullshit and get away with it. Right? Ted will laugh it off. He'll you know, he'll internalize some stuff, you know, if if, if it was Roy or if it was Rebecca or, you know, anyone else. But when Beard says this, this cuts, this cuts deep. And it's because they know each other. It's because they work together for so long. And, you know, it's because Beard has earned his respect over the years by, by being, you know, the, the faithful assistant to, to his, to his head coach. And, you know, again, it's, it's a, it's a moment where you look at Beard and you go, oh, you're just you're not just some kind of weird enigmatic character like you're doing a shit ton of work behind the scenes here to try and get this thing right before the biggest game of the season. Yeah. Yeah. So true. But, you know, Ted being any good, um, you know, pub uh, pub visitor uh, finishes the pints. No man Got left to. behind, you know. Got to. Unfortunately, though, as he was leaving, he forgets. Don't look left, look right. I struggle with this every time we go to London. I'm always looking left. I hate crossing the road in London because I'm going to die. <laughs> As Ted is about to get pancaked by a bus, an arm sm- snatches across his chest, stops him. Who other than Roy Kent to save the day? Um, they go back to Ted's place, peanut butter jar and everything and they talk about two-day old pasta water you know please what a horrific option but hey whatever um and they Uh, have a moment it's bachelor ted you gotta remember this is not the ted from the beginning of the series this is ted who is now divorced to maybe old habits are just coming back into the cycle here for him it's true and uh again you know the fact that roy sought him out realized kind of he wasn't happy with the way it went they go to have a conversation only problems. Todd or Ted is a is a bit loose to say the least. But they have a good conversation, Nick. You know, Ted leads it off, says, anyway, you know what we could do? You've been hurt off and on all season. Why don't we just say you're injured? You can't play. No shame in that. Roy says, Well, that would help protect my stock if I want to move next season, maybe to a club that actually wants to start me. Come on, what if, God forbid, I end up having to play in fucking America, where I dominate, by the way. They'd be like, oh, is this football then? (laughs) (laughs) Just love it. Thank you for taking a shot at us. Uh, Ted says, well, obviously, my preference would be to have you there at practice tomorrow and the game. But hey, you got to do what's right for you. Roy says, can I think about it? Ted said, I'd call you a big dummy poo-poo face if you didn't. And he leaves it with him, Nick. It's, It's an adult way to handle a situation. Right. Instead of storming off and and telling someone to fuck off or, you know, not being able to vocalize how you're feeling, he, you know, has a has a candid conversation. And like this is the again, Ted has done nothing with Roy, but build respect over the course of this season. Right. He's shown him that he's willing to uh, create a fun, loving atmosphere. He's shown that he's willing to, uh, you know, 
criticized when needed. He's been walking the talk all season. So for him to have this conversation man to man with Roy, I think is, is super important. And, you know, imagine Roy from the first two episodes, he would never have even sat down with him to have the conversation. So this is a, I think a showing of respect to me. And I, you know, again, it's, he's given him options. He's given him a way out that protects him and protects what the team needs to do against city to win. Yeah. And again, like, you know, the, the trust is there. Ted still backs him, right? Says, Hey, what's best for you? What can we do to, to preserve your stock to help you? And he reminds him, I I do have your back. Obviously, if you're, if you're ready, you're in, I still got you, but Hey, if it's not the right decision for you, then let's, then let's pivot, which, um, which again, is, is massively mature because, and maybe beards reminder that like, Hey, they're not kids they're grown adults. These are professionals treat them differently. Maybe he immediately put that into practice here. Uh, speaking of practice, uh, the next day, beard Nate finally talked to Ted again. Ted tries to give a speech, but he's interrupted by surprisingly a late arriving Roy Kent. He acts like a captain, tells the team that the second team is going to kick the first team's ass in practice. He's doing the right thing, even though it's not what's best for him, and it surely isn't the easiest thing either. Shows a hell of a lot of humility, uh, you know. And, and again, I think we've all been around good leaders, and we've you know probably been around a fair few bad leaders as well. A bad leader doesn't show up the next day, and in, in the heat of the battle, you know, to to put on the 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 training bib for the second team and and make a joke out of it that's that's what a good leader does and you know he's he's willing to assume that role even though it's you know again like you said brandon it's not necessarily what he wants to do yeah so we're gonna take a quick ad break but when we are back it is time to pivot to off the pitch so thank you to sponsors and we'll be right back all right well off the pitch aka the workplace stuff uh remember last episode purely off uh, off the pitch, right? So now we're back to, hey, we got a relegation fight, a lot's going on, and so we got to get indoctrinated back into that through Roy. But off the pitch, you know, there's still a lot going on. We remember that last episode ended, and you're all sitting there going, where is season nine, episode nine? Give me episode nine now. These were the cliffhangers that I need answers to immediately. And so we jump back into the ground. Rebecca is doing a photo shoot for a women in football profile for football financial quarterly. And uh, Ted, still completely unaware of kind of what's going on, um, is is still her biggest fan, Nick, which I'm sure is absolutely killing her and melting her inside. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're they're talking, you know, during a break in the in the photo shoot. And Ted says, oh, come on now. Being a role model is a huge deal. Don't you realize there's probably a little girl some, out there somewhere rocking a tiny eggplant-colored power suit? Love the love the vivid description there. And she's just dreaming about becoming a sports executive someday. She's going to read this article and think, holy smokes, my dreams are possible. Rebecca, being the cynical person that she is, says, in this little scenario of yours, uh, little girls read the football financial quarterly, question mark. And Ted says, who knows? Little girls are mysterious. Um, again, Dan, just building her up every chance he can. Yeah. The, the rug has not yet been pulled out from underneath, uh, you know, Ted's feet here yet in terms of, uh, his awareness and, and full understanding. Um, you know, so look, uh, I think that this is, uh, this is Ted just continuing to do what he does and, uh, you know, 
puts people in a position to be the best version of them po- their possible selves. Well, uh, you know, again, the the tension then goes back to Higgins, which honestly, this might win the episode uh, on my own. But he's out. Ted tells Rebecca that he will come around. Don't worry, Higgins will come back. She knows better. He doesn't realize that she fired him, right? And the the the, the big fallout that's there. And so uh, Ted goes, "Tell you what, I wish Higgins was here to see this because he'd be real happy for you too." Again, the nice knives going into her side as she's just sitting there. Uh, Rebecca, I don't know about that, Ted. When Higgins decided to quit, bold face lie. Uh, he made it quite clear that he thought about me and wasn't, and it wasn't supportive. Uh, nope, I'm filing that under stinking thinking right there. Okay, I guarantee you he'll come around from Ted, and uh, <laughs> it's the the buildup for Rebecca having to confront Ted is just it's already like boiled yeah. over, and we're just waiting for it to happen. Yeah, she she uh, then pivots the conversation because she feels awkward as hell, right? Uh, asked the you know asked Ted about the team's morale heading into the last match. They could see them relegate, obviously. Uh, but then Keeley pops up out of nowhere, um, continuing to uh, put pressure on Rebecca uh, to tell Ted about her schemes. Uh, you know, they go into the boot room. Nate walks in there awkwardly. You know, does his little bit and then leaves. And you know, they're they're just falling back and forth around the merits of telling Ted. Dan and Rebecca says, "I mean, what would be the point of telling Ted now? It doesn't change anything." But again, Keely, hammer blow. It would change how I feel about you. Whew, man. And this is where you start to see the shift occur. The cogs mm-hmm. start spinning, and it's now less about the impact to Ted, and it's more about the way Rebecca is going to be seen amongst people that. Even though she cares about Ted, she cares about Ted at a little bit of an arm's length. She hasn't fully let him in in the way that she's let Keely in. And so Keely is close enough for that comment to be able to pierce through the levels or layers of protection that Rebecca has up. And so, I mean, that that really, Brandon, sets us kind of further forward in the episode. Doubling down. Um, uh, we get a little bit more insight into Keeley's PR uh, abilities. <laughs> Ted asks Keeley whether... little comic relief. Yeah, you know, nothing. exactly. Nice little pivot here. Ted asks Keeley whether the fine folks at Tom Ford got back to her about Ted doing some modeling. Ted, hey, did those marketing folks from Tom Ford ever get back to you? Keeley, yeah, they did. They said they're going to stick with the models they already have. Aw, <laughs> oh, nuts. I know. But they did say that if they ever do... Uh, an everyman campaign or something satirical, your name is on the list. <laughs> and that uh, you're just like, that was great. Like, yeah, played so into good. that perfectly. Yeah. And, and we, you know, because we're, we don't do this show in, uh, in, in, in order, right? Um, this is after, you know, the previously mentioned intervention. Ted walks up to see Rebecca. She like texted him and said, hey, can you come up here? And she's preparing to kind of break the news of her whole scheme and betrayal to him but she has a meltdown brandon this is a a moment where we get to see the cracks you know start to really show in in her and and what she's working on uh you know he he basically goes in there all positive and she freaks out starts procrastinating can't get around it and you know it's a it's a tough it's a tough thing she's trying to like psych herself up 
to to tell him everything. I mean, look, Dan, even Ted sees through it and he's like, what is going on? What What is weird? Like, you know, you good? Yeah. And he doesn't buy it and he kind of probes a little bit, but then he does his little, do you just want to do this later? And he does the reverse thing. And he even did like the, like backwards. And I like paused it and redid it. I'm like, oh my gosh, he actually did do the knock in reverse order. I'm like, no details spared. You know, like sometimes you see shows and they're on the phone but then it lights up and you see like the home screen. You're like, you're not on a phone call. <laughs> like that's nah. not how it works. Nothing, nothing slipped through that we can tell in this one, Dan. And uh, that just goes to the detail of this scene between Ted and Rebecca. Yeah, I, and also I believe this is still the case, but it, I think it was the case at least at least initially. Like you weren't allowed to show like broken iPhones on Apple TV shows, like broken screens or something to that effect. So. Um, yeah, minor details, particularly about Apple technology, always kept into account on uh, Apple TV shows. But, uh, you know, this, I think, is just another example of where, um, you know, Ted understands, reads the situation, respects the space and kind of moves out so that Rebecca then can have this uh, this moment with uh, with her. And, and surprise, Rupert popping back up. Uh, he's like the little fucking jack in the box that just uh, always pops his head in in the most terrible moment for everyone and uh, drops uh, some bombshell news, Nick. Yeah, this this is a pretty tough scene, right? He he walks in, uh, gloating to Rebecca that him and and his new girl Bex, uh, who we found out in the previous episode they are engaged, um, are having a baby. Rebecca is dumbfounded because throughout their marriage, he essentially said he didn't want to have kids. Now that he's approaching seventy and is with a new twenty something year old fiance, he's having a baby, and uh, you know he he really rubs it in her face by by insinuating he just didn't want to have a baby with her. Uh, but then he, he pivots and says before, and it's like a knife to the heart. I mean, she's clearly emotional, Brandon. It, you know, this is a, uh, it, it's, it's an inconsolable moment. You know, this was simply just to get back at her uh, more than anything. And it's, it's tough to look at. He's in his seventies, you know, like you're going to be in your pushing 90 or 90s by the time they graduate high school you know it's like wild and and you know i mean what a what an intimate detail into the relationship you know kids or no kids is a massive decision for for married couples and and just couples in general and to have and and to hear one person didn't now they do and the other person it probably looks like rebecca would have liked to have kids but was okay not in the moment now knowing that she could have potentially had a family, like all of this is just rushing over her. And she is so just kind of like dazed. She she takes that walk down to Ted's office, sits down completely devastated, uh, completely open and, and vulnerable and just kind of lays it all out there. Because I think she realized I'm rock bottom after that. I got nothing left. I'm just going to, like she, yeah. she's numb at this point. I mean, she's numb. The insecurities of before seem uh, pretty uh, petty in this context, and and you know, it's 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 a really great bit of filmmaking or TV making, whatever we're going to call it officially, because it's the slow, uh, kind of desperate music combined with 
a slow walk down to the office. Like it, it kind of feels like she's walking the plank a little bit um, to get down there. And then look, no, no messing around this time really gets the point across. <laughs> Yeah, I won't read it uh, fully, but uh, Rebecca leading in with the, like, I'm a fucking bitch. Nope, that's new. Ted, I lied to you. I hired you because I wanted this team to lose. I wanted you to fail. I sabotaged you every chance I had. And then goes through the litany of issues and slings that she threw at Ted to take him down and to cause his downfall. And it all leads up to a response that if you know Ted, you knew was coming. But mm-hmm. Rebecca never allowed herself fully to know Ted, to appreciate Ted and what his character and his demeanor and his his true individual strengths were. And he just drops the I forgive you, Brandon. And just again, when you think that Ted has kind of reached the the apex of his ability to confound people with kindness and, and caring just does it again goes from k2 to everest you know and she's stunned she doesn't get it like she's ready for him to continue to jab her like she's she's taking a beating whether it's from keely trying to get her to do the right thing obviously rupert and now ted she's expecting to take more blows and he doesn't he uh he levels with her you know he compares his recent divorce to her divorce and you know, he's obviously not as far down the path with her uh, as, as as Rebecca is, but she just he just looks at her as a human, Nick, and just says, I get it. It's hard. Like, this sucks. Um, and I, I've got your back. And he talks about how, you know, she kind of saved him at a time where he was in a tough spot in his marriage. They offered him the job, and it was kind of what he needed at that point, too. And so he still looks at the situation as he's grateful to her. Even of after what she did, he is still glad uh, with everything all said and done. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I would have reacted like this to that news, you know, like, hey, not for nothing, but I basically sabotaged you at every point. I've killed our chances at staying up. I hired you as a joke. I, you know, again, just set booby traps all over the place for you to walk into and you know, I, th- I think it's just an incredible, uh, it's an incredible high road moment to to look at someone who's clearly struggling, empathize with their struggle, and then forgive them that quickly. I mean, I, I think that would have taken me some time, to, you know, to forgive, um, not not immediately. And certainly, I know the magic of TV. We have we have to move in this show, but. It's uh yeah, it's pretty it's pretty outstanding. And this is the moment, Dan, where I think the healing begins, right? Because we assume that we've seen an apology between Rebecca and Keely off camera. We never got it on camera, right? But I assume if they're still talking that some sort of apology happened. But now Rebecca has to do more, right? She has to go to Higgins uh in what ended up being a hilarious scene, unlike the Ted scene, which was very emotional, and she has to apologize to him too because she's treated higgins so badly i needed this i needed this scene the writers knew exactly what i needed and oh my god they delivered dan this will go down as one of my all-time favorite moments of lasso higgins the goat um yeah i I mean 
I, I think it is a the the bearded bass playing Higgins. I think is what you're uh, referencing. <laughs> Chef's Brandon kiss. Busby. Chef's kiss. Character yeah. evolution uh, yeah. peaked. It, it, yeah, the beard represents how I feel. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, in, in, in something like Star Trek with like mirror universes, beards are how you knew it was the 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 bad version or the uh, the evil the, yeah. the evil version. Uh, so we get evil Higgins effectively, who is uh, you know de- cruelly dead to the world, uh, who then has an opportunity to uh, accept a full apology and um you know that that is uh it's really nice and then we get uh hanging some back to work and uh not only does rebecca get biscuits but then um ted gives higgins some biscuits that were actually made for trent crim's daughter but like you know i mean it's it's nice that higgins gets some biscuits too whereas in in episode eight we had this like really positive episode lots of really great things happening and then we ended on a low it's a complete opposite for this one this was low 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 bing we're on the way back up and like the vibes are actually high the team is high relationships are on the mend you know this is you know it's not done yet but a lot of good stuff happens here to to make good for sure yeah and and obviously it's kind of like that um, how do they want to enter the last episode of the season, you know, which is, is really important with this, but, oh my God, when she asked, how does Mrs. Higgins feel about it? And he's like, <laughs> she hates it with a white hot rage. You're just, oh my gosh. It, I, I needed that. Like that for me, any, any, anything that I was worried about, like I was good and I, uh, I'm not going to spoil it, you know what it is, but, um, I'm thinking about it. Look. I just I need to de-stress a little bit in my life. I might try the the look and see how it goes. Oh, please do. God, a little <laughs> your your little red mustache and little tiny soul patch thing oh, combined would patch. just be I shaved mine uh, on purpose. I don't want ever yeah. to accidentally have one. <laughs> um all right. Well, uh like I said, Higgins is back. Team is assembled just in time. Or I guess reassembled almost uh, yeah. just in time for the final match this season against the uh, the uh, high flying Manchester City that gross lot up north. So uh, we're gonna take our ad break and we're back. Main theme: pub trivia and winner winner chicken dinner as you expected. So thank you to the sponsors and we'll be right back. All right, rounded it out. The main theme: don't look back in anger. Shouts Oasis. So it may have taken the better part of. Uh, okay, okay, Whoa. okay. I, I just I wanna I wanna call out Nick's choice of song here though. So you, you chose a band from Manchester. This is a club based in London. They would yep. not find that acceptable at all. That is it. That is just like you know, there is a tribalistic element to football, and I don't know if that's gonna pass the mustard. Dan, Dan there's not a Blur song that fit my theme here, so unfortunately, that's where we had to go. I don't think song so, number so two I, necessarily would do the job here. Song number two, Blur, would be a good one. I mean, there's lots of, uh, you know, famous, uh, you know, bands from London. I don't know if you were going to pull an ACDC or the police out of there. Um, You know, I I don't know if they necessarily had the song for it. I did a quick thought about this, though, as I was looking at it. What about using Adele's Skyfall with the Let the Skyfall When It Crumbles? We will stand tall and face it all together because now everybody's back on the same page. Thoughts? Um, Okay. Uh, I mean, do you want to write the main theme over again, Dan? Feel free. <laughs> uh, let's see. She. I'm trying to figure out where she was born. Is she? Is she Londoner? Oh, yeah. she is. Yeah, oh, more yeah. more of the Tottenham area though, so northern oh, London. Oh, yeah. Oh. All right. Yeah. Anyways, 
So, main theme, Don't Look Back in Anger Shots Oasis or Skyfall by Adele. You choose. Uh, choose your own adventure here on this show. So, it may have taken the better part of season one, but Rebecca's apology and subsequent change of heart is really powerful. Apologies work flat out. But this episode was not as much about apologies as it was about the reaction to those apologies. Forgiveness. Maturity, Thy Name is Ted, Keeley, Roy, and Higgins, all of them reacted to vulnerability and sincere apologies to make their collective situation better. They forgave each other, which allowed them to move on in their own individual ways. So, now, over to Crown and Anchor Pub Trivia. Weird question observations by you, Mr. Nick. What'd you have? Uh, yeah, another five-pack here. Um, how does Ted trick the reporters at his press conference a very savvy veteran move from from ted to uh to see who's paying attention who's not uh question number two what is higgins quote-unquote beard called and who is it named after very specific reference in the uh, apology part of this episode uh number three a hilarious moment what unforgivable act did keely commit in what essentially is middle school uh to uh, someone named Joanna Wellington, who we don't ever see in the show. Uh, number four, what did Roy have to do to erase the memory of Phoebe finding one of Keeley's quote-unquote electronics in this episode? And number five, what did Ted's mom do uh, typically before breaking bad news to him as a kid? Uh, these are all very specific references, so get stuck in. Engage with us on social at Pod Underdogs. We want to see your answers and anything I might have missed. Yeah. Uh, well, that's a new challenge, actually. Uh, be interested to see if anyone comes up with some stuff. But uh, any surprises from this one? I mean, obviously, I think there's probably a lot. But, you know, we walk through them in the moment. You know, like I said, I think the consistency of the redemption arcs throughout this, whether they be big, Rebecca, or small, even with uh, Roy and Keeley, things of that nature, Um you know, it, it just it was really interesting to me. But Dan, like, you know, beyond, you know, the the run of show here, anything else? Well, it seems like the Ted biscuits are becoming a little bit like the Tom Cruise Christmas cake situation. And like you have to be on a, a little bit of a list to get access to something, access to that level of recognition. And so we know that Rebecca and the daughter of Trent Krim are on that list. So the real question is, who else has made the cut? Because mm. if this is a form of affection that mm -hmm. Ted, you know, it's an act of, of doing, it's an act of kindness that he likes to give unto others to make them feel loved, not just in the way that he appreciates them with words, but in, in an act that he performs – I need to know who the, what the full list is because there there has to be other people in the Ted Lasso universe who have received the biscuits that we're not aware of yet. That is now something I need an answer for. Yeah, you got to be on a specific list to get my homemade Baileys at Christmas as well. So uh, I, I understand his peril. Um, I, I loved, not a surprise, but I love this little moment between Ted and Roy when they're talking about Roy's future. And Roy's like, I'm sorry for telling you to fuck off. I'm usually better at controlling my emotions. Yeah. And Ted looks back at him and goes, really? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, know thyself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was, that was good. Um, all right. Winner, winner, football dinner, AKA who won the episode? Um, pff, look, there's a lot of standout performance in this one. A lot of wild twists and turns in episode nine. I mean, the fact that this is what they're going to lead up to the last episode with, I mean, they're just building the hype quite excellently. Um, but Nick, the the front runner, who do you have? It's 
It's not. It's, this is a hat trick performance from Keeley. Uh, I I think she easily stunts on Rebecca to change her entire scheme. Right. Dan mentioned the the cracks that formed after that little hard hitting moment between the two. And then she sets Roy straight in the same in the same episode. I mean, it's it's a unbelievable performance, high EQ. Uh, and, you know, I think with like five minutes of screen time, won the episode. Uh, so uh, unbelievable performance. Keely easily wins for me. Yeah. I mean, th- this is a very obvious end outcome here. And, you know, it does put Keely into a position where she can now vie for potentially second place over Rebecca if she can get a win in the last match, in the last episode of the season as Brandon rolls his eyes like it's a competition yeah. here. It is a competition. As if the writers are building this, this up. This is game. Look, the writers' room, we know they are apt. They, with it, they, are, they are waiting in anticipation to understand who we will crown as the winner of the final episode of the season. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, rock on, Keely. I mean, credit where credit's due. She was all over the place in this episode. I mean, there was not a scene that was not instantly impacted by her. She was she was all over the place. So um, that'll wrap for this one. Obviously, um, you know, more content coming with underdogs. We got the last episode of season one coming, which will be a banger. There's no way it is not after the buildup in episode nine. Uh, so connect with us at pod underdogs on social media, continue the chat there, answer the, the, the crown and anchor pub trivia. And again, we're still asking if you would be so kind, leave a five-star review, Apple podcasts or Spotify helps other lasso fans like yourself find us, which is great. So anyways, uh, once you've done that, we'll appreciate you go watch the last episode and we'll be back with another episode 